0: Welcome to the American College of Mohs Surgery podcast series, Conversations in Mohs Surgery, where Dr. Thomas Knaxtat, academic dermatologist and Mohs surgeon in Cleveland, takes a closer look at articles published in the dermatology literature by speaking with the authors and researchers involved. The podcast is an extension of the college's online bibliography, a searchable, high-yield article reference library aligned with the micrograph Surgery and Dermatologic Oncology Fellowship Curriculum, accessible to ACMS members at www.mohscollege.org slash bibliography. Listeners can suggest articles for inclusion in the bibliography or guests for this podcast by sending an email to info at That's info at mohscollege.org. Thank you for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Thomas Naxted once again for Conversations in Mohs Surgery. Today, I'm actually going to be chatting with two guests. I have with me today uh, Dr. Jerry Brewer, who's a professor of dermatology and a Mohs surgeon at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, as well as Nat Jelanik, who is an assistant clinical professor in the Department of Dermatology at Brown University and an adjunct assistant clinical professor in the Department of Dermatology at the University of Massachusetts and he works at Dermatology Professionals. Welcome uh, to both of you, Jerry and Nat.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so I really wanted to continue the move of expanding the topic for the podcast beyond just reviewing individual research projects and and looking more at the the mission and the purpose of of most Surgeons as a whole at, at what we do as an organization and what that means to you in your career and what it's taught you and how you're now teaching other people with that. Now, you are both involved with the ACMS uh foundation in, in different roles. So I'll I'll turn to you first, Jerry. And, um, how are you involved with our ACMS foundation?
2: I'm currently chairing the portion of the ACMS foundation that supplies Funding and opportunities for research-type endeavors, and particularly small grants and fellowship support in research projects. Okay,
0: and and that what what is your arm of the of the foundation? Uh,
1: so the second arm that will disperse foundation funds is um, called the Mose Development Awards Review Committee, and uh, its tasks with uh, both coming up with new potential funding opportunities for the foundation that fit with the foundation and um, college's mission, and to uh, think outside the box and be open to ideas from the members as to possible funding possibilities and, and work with them on that. Wonderful. And
0: it sounds like we've now had this foundation. What When is our... When was our official start day? When was donation one? Do you guys know?
1: Well, I think the foundation has been, mm-hmm. uh, was initiated really um, by Barry Leshen a few years ago and put into motion uh, less than two years ago uh, with a call to the members to support a foundation really founded by and established for the benefit of Mo surgeons and uh, that was the first really step in this in this project uh, subsequently we had to develop governance and policy to oversee what happens with the money and direct it appropriately and then committees to specifically direct funds and initiate projects and it
0: sounds like with within the the research arm of this, are there going to be um, particular topics of, of interest, Jerry? I know some of the other dermatologic organizations have board-directed topics of, of study, or is this going to be focused around our, our registry efforts and improving wisely? Or what's the, the the primary research goal, if there is one, or maybe it's wide open?
2: Yeah, thank, thank you, Thomas. And I, I would just say we have so many brilliant young minds entering the field of cutaneous oncology, that it's really a great uh, time for something like this. And I really applaud Barry Leshin's vision in putting this forth. Um, we, we would like to see research projects that focus on dermatologic surgery and cutaneous oncology. That's that's where the focus that we would like to have. And, and um, some of the donors that, that donate funding sometimes would say they'd like to see it go towards a particular project or this or that. But in general, as an umbrella, it the, these projects should further the field of dermatologic surgery and cutaneous oncology. And you mentioned a really great point. You know, this is also a great time for the Mose College with the Mosaic data um, being implemented. And um, we would like to say that this funding will um, have special consideration made for projects that involve that data because we want to see that data being used and evaluated and and results put forth in a meaningful way. And,
0: you know, I think it's just been remarkable um just in my own career, which has, has not been as long, but as I look back to the, the types of articles I was reading as a medical student um, regarding dermatologic surgery, and certainly there were many, many high caliber articles at that time, but it, it seems to me attending the MOS means the quality of the research we're doing as a, as a group is just at, at a whole nother level in the past few years. Have, have you noticed that sort of shift as well?
2: Yeah, I I would agree with you, Nat. I think so. Yeah, it's really amazing and, and exciting to see some of these great thoughts come come forth to fruition.
0: Nat, in your world, it sounds like the committee is is slightly broader in in its in its scope and nature, and so you're you're looking at things like education and and speakers. Uh, are we at a time point where you have any projects that are? readily available to share or is it still all uh, in, in development uh, along the non-research aspects?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because our committee is, has the, the mission of sort of looking at w- less well-defined, more complex and diverse uh, opportunities for us to advance the specialty. And so, with that as a very broad category, we've taken it in many directions. And this is preliminary and evolving. But to date, we have been involved in uh, funding speakers for the Mohs College. And, and this upcoming year, we'll have Scott Hamilton, who is a cancer survivor and um, an Olympic skater and a leader, and, and, and he will be speaking to the college. We've been involved in the dermatologic surgery edition. Uh, dedicated to Mohs surgery, which will be outstanding. Um, we have been in spending a majority of our time, however, establishing a leadership program for Mohs College members. And this is drawn on uh, experiences from the AAD leadership program, from the ASDS leadership program, but really is different. Um, and we're trying to make it specific to the needs of the college and the wants of our members. And so that is evolving, but should be um, really established in ready for a pilot program at the very least by the start of the or by the annual meeting in 2020. And so that's the current state of this committee. Uh, There are several other topics that we've considered and addressed, but haven't had the opportunity to delve further into. But I think we will in future years. Wonderful. And
0: uh, I guess at some point we should share with with the listeners a little bit of, of mutual history here as it might Im- impact the rest of the conversation. So I m- know both of you outside of the podcast. Nat, I've known a little bit longer than than Jerry. Jerry and I had the pleasure of meeting at the last AAD leadership forum weekend where he served as a mentor. And then certainly Nat was my fellowship director uh, during my, my Mo's fellowship. I, I bring that up because it highlights how both of you have assumed that role of leadership and mentorship, um, which are not the same thing, but oftentimes do go hand in hand. And I, I'd love to hear from both of you. Maybe, Jerry, you can share first how you became involved with ACMS leadership in in the early stages of your career, and um, if out of that you have any advice for for those following in your in your footsteps
2: Um, yeah thank you Thomas I you know I had the the good fortune of just being around some fantastic mentors when I was early in my career and part of that uh, fortune um, fortunate set of circumstances for me led me to be involved in the American Academy of Dermatology Leadership Institute and part of that helped me rub shoulders with people like Mary Maloney and uh, different presidents of the college very early on in my career, and 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 that set me up for opportunities to give talks and and be involved in committees early, and and um, you know I'm so fortunate for that, and I'm very grateful for those opportunities. And one of the things that I have learned recently, and I don't know exactly how true this is, but there's some thought out there that as we go throughout our careers, the first part of our career is very much focused on what we can do, and and I see this in young fellows and residents. They they really it's important for them to demonstrate what they can do, and then mid career things shift somehow in our brain to what we know, and then the um, later parts of our career it becomes very much a focus on who we can develop. And I you know I would say that one of the some of the most subst- substantially satisfying moments in my life is to be able to develop another person. And in spite of things that I've been able to do or or know, the good fortune that I had of being around great mentors as a young um, dermatolo- dermatologist, I, I think it's fantastic to be able to give that back in some way and and help mentor others along the way.
0: Nat, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on the
1: same question. Yeah, I mean, Thomas, we had spent a great year together, and, it, and that was... I mean, that's, that encapsulated all that is great about mentorship and mentoring for me. I mean, I was lucky enough to uh, be mentored by many people. And in my fellowship, I had Mary Maloney as my fellowship director, so a common theme here. She's uh, incidentally on the Development Awards Review Committee and a very strong and, and uh, wise voice on that committee. And... To be in the position to be mentored by like a professional mentor has really helped shape my career. In part, it helped me realize that the field's bigger than myself and you see it when your mentor puts you ahead of their uh, needs and puts you forth without putting themselves forth and wants to see you succeed and that is a pretty contagious phenomenon. And so I, again, was very lucky to be surrounded by many mentors as a resident and then have Mary as a fellow and have found that mentoring residents, fellows, being involved in the most college as both a, a young member and now sort of a middle member has been probably the most rewarding part of my career.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's great to hear you guys, you know, very much aligned in, in your answers there and, um, I guess I'll chime in as somebody who's still getting a lot of of mentorship, but I think that the ACMS is making it easier to to really become involved. We've now got website that highlights the committees that that we have and readily accepts uh, nominations and applications for that. So I encourage any of our younger listeners. Uh, much like me to to simply reach out and, and ask to be involved because i 've heard it time and time again the, the the leadership seems excited to have the newer younger memberships represented and,
1: um, and and hear their their voice as well Thomas, I did want to put in a, a quick uh, related plug. I think a lot of us feel that way. I mean I think for many of us, the most college is the organization to which we feel most closely tied professionally personally looking towards the future and the opportunities in the college are are there and having a leadership initiative that is that helps those younger members get both advance themselves professionally which is historically really where these leadership programs have have been geared but also help them to work within the college which i think is a an untapped resource for the the younger members of our college because I think they do care about it and want to serve and um, this will benefit them and the college. And I think we have an opportunity and a very important one and a timely one to take this chance to help mentor and develop leaders in terms of advocacy, both public policy and sort of more governmental issues. And I think there are people interested out there and we're really hoping that the leadership initiative will birth a generation of young Mohs surgeons who are going to step up and take this uh, forward in the next uh, 10, 20 years.
0: And I guess I'd like to put both of you on the spot there, realizing that the answers are oftentimes similar and there's many, many books written about it. But Jerry, what does leadership development look like if you apply to to the Moes College or or a Moes surgeon? Is there anything in particular that you've found through work with the AAD or ACMS that really stands out as being a vital leadership skill or or quality or series of qualities amongst growing or developing leaders?
2: Yeah, thank you, Thomas. That's a really great question, and um, there's there's so many things about being a leader that's um, hard to put a finger on and it's maybe a little bit subjective here or there and um, I guess I would also say that it's you know it's ongoing I still feel like there's so many ways that I need mentoring in my life and it never goes away i I, I need mentoring in a lot of areas and um, and in the same vein there are plenty of all the young surgeons in the college are are fantastic mentors and so it really doesn't matter I think, how far along we are in our career, there's always opportunities to mentor and be a mentee. And um, I don't know if there's like a vital portion of the college or experience you need to be involved in. One of the things that I really hammer in um, some of my talks about leadership with fellows and residents is a couple of qualities. And one of the qualities that I highlight more than anything else is the quality of gratitude. And, And this highlights a little bit about what Nat just said about, you know, something that's bigger than yourself. And, and I think as you evolve into your own leader, if you can, if you can understand that being a part of something bigger than yourself and promoting somebody else's career and, and being grateful as a way of keeping you humble along the way, those are fantastic ways of developing into a really great leader.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I think, um, And it shows, you know, um, mentees, trainees, fellows, um, readily sense people eager to teach, eager to impart knowledge, eager to, to help careers develop. Nat, I know your group will be more specifically tasked with the leadership development. And I imagine you guys will have a formal process for that, but anything that, that comes to mind, in addition to, to Jerry's highlighting humility and gratitude for, for, for what,
1: um our leaders need? I think keeping an open mind and uh, coming to all of this with the right attitude, uh, I think being open-minded is really important here. We're used to operating solo, making all of the decisions um, on a day- daily basis. And I think in these leadership roles, I agree with Jerry Sort of, there's a never-ending mentoring for us for everyone out there and keeping an open mind to new ideas, new ways of doing things, new approaches is, um, and, and that goes along with sort of a underlying humility that, that we have this enormous resource of a shared college of brilliant people and utilizing
2: everyone to raise us all up. And Thomas, I would, I would just add to that, you know, I read recently a book that was really fantastic called The Obstacle is the Way. I have no uh, stock in that book. Um, And the the author gives this um, kind of uh, podcast at the end of the book, and he talks about the art of approaching a potential mentor. And he gave some really fantastic insights, I thought, and kind of reminded me back when I was brand new in the college. And I just came up to Doctor Zatelli and asked him what he thought about a study I was thinking about doing in melanoma, and um, and uh, this author, this right bright young author of this book, brings up the point: if you want to look for a mentor, don't be don't be scared to go ask for somebody's opinion, and if you're doing something in your life, bring up the scenario, and automatically within a couple seconds, the mentor is going to be invested in how you're doing and going to want to see you succeed and that's that's a really great approach rather than coming to somebody and asking them to do something for you
0: yeah and I, you know i think it just the the opportunities sort of spiral if you present yourself as as an eager learner a, a motivated individual um, i think very quickly you'll be surprised as a as a new member how how ample the opportunities for for involvement are especially if you have a, a foundation of of mentors and, and caring leaders surrounding you. Nat, any book recommendations for us?
1: Well in the in the gratitude world, there's a really fun book by A.J. Jacobs called uh, Thanks a Thousand, A Gratitude Journey, where he really echoes what Jerry said, that there's more and more evidence that overall uh, fulfillment and Contentment and happiness is associated with or correlated with uh, realizing gratitude for what we have. Um, As a coffee drinker, he spends a lot of time talking about his gratitude for coffee and all the (laughs) steps that make the coffee come to the table from the bean growers to the roasters and all that. But it's a good read, and I think it does bring to um, the table how important gratitude is.
0: I want to circle back around, I guess we'll call it more towards. Jerry's department and, and learn more about research, um, not so much from the grant review process, but the role of research in careers, and I guess the development of a niche. Now, I imagine most of our listeners know both of you either personally or, or professionally, but um, Jerry, I'll start with you. If, you. if you had to define your professional clinical or, or, or research niche, where would you put yourself?
2: You know, right now, in my career, I'm 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 really uh, getting a lot of satisfaction out of developing others in a lot of ways, but particularly in the research realm of things. And there's there's a lot of satisfaction when you see somebody really take something and run with it. I've I've had the good fortune of of having some some funding early on in my career, which allowed me to focus on immunosuppressed patients with skin cancer and that's where my focus was a good like five years into my career and then I kind of switched more into epidemiology and and through some of the funding I was able to get some more education and recently finished a master's degree which I wish I would have done a whole lot earlier and, and now with, with some of that background I've currently been focusing more on larger systematic review type research projects. And that's where I would say I'm at in my career right now. I, I would say to your point of the role of research, I think all of us as clinicians have a lot of satisfaction out of making someone's life be- better or saving someone's life or curing a cancer on somebody's face. And that's, that's extremely f- fantastic. And I think that should be our major focus. And then the two side focuses uh, of our careers I see as doing research and education where we're f- moving the field forward and we're helping develop others and um, it's it's a labor of love really it is. I mean research has curveballs come at you all the time. it usually always it usually takes longer than we think it will. Um, it's a lot of hours on the nights and weekends. but I would encourage especially young members of the college to to not let opportunities pass them by. it's it's very fulfilling on the end part of things to have a question and to answer it and to see that move the field of cutaneous oncology forward. And it's really a win for everybody because it makes our field more developed. The person doing the research gets the opportunity to promote themselves and their thoughts in front of the college and the medical community in general. And it's, it's, just, it's just a great opportunity all the way around.
0: I want to probe into the beginning of your comment there. Um, tell us about the master's uh, that, that you chose to pursue. And, and what prompted that? Because I'm sure you're not the only one mid or early career who's thinking, <laughs> should I do this?
2: There's a lot, of, a lot of great people that I've been able to rub shoulders with, and one of which is Amit Gart, who is currently chair and has done a lot of great things leadership-wise. And I remember hearing him talk once about his life taking serendipitous turns that he didn't see coming but then leads to leadership opportunities that are down a different path that he never saw himself traveling. And my journey was kind of similar to that early in my career. I had a dermatology foundation career development award, and I kind of used that as a catapult to apply for a K award at my institution. And I saw myself going down that path. And, um, I guess, fortunately, or unfortunately, however you'd like to see it, I did not get the K award. But as part of that process, I had a little bit of extra time, and I started taking master's degree courses, which is supposed to make you a more competitive applicant for K-Awards. And, um, and so I, I kind of got into the master's program serendipitously like that, applied for the K-Award a second time, got rejected a second time. And by that time, hmm. I had I had a pretty good sizable amount of credits, and I thought, you know, I'm loving this. And, and what the heck I'm, you know, I, I, I want to finish what I started. And so then, then it became like kind of tough because then I'm, I'm working full time with no extra time. And I have to like figure out a way to take a master's course on, on top of having a full time career. And that was, that was the tough part, but I'm so glad that I decided not to just throw the towel in. And it took me a good three years after I'd already had those credits in place to finish the master's degree, but it was a great decision.
0: Well, I, congrats. <laughs> um, I, I think that's a great story. And what you say about setbacks and and keep pushing on and, and not allowing um, any of that to sort of be more than opportunity to to work harder or, or work smarter, um, I think is great. Nat, I'd, I'd love to hear your comments on research in general. Um, is there value to to developing a niche and becoming a world expert or or national expert in something
1: yeah so i think for me and for people whose research i find most interesting um it's clear that we're we're um we're doing it because it's what we care about we're not doing it because we have to do it and so, for me personally, I've always written about things and researched things that were interesting to me, and that's been a moving target as time has, has moved on, um, with certain themes underlying it. Um, but it's allowed it to keep it fresh, um, and and pretty much never ending because we're lucky enough to be in a field where there's constant challenges and questions that are raised um, pretty much every day questions that aren't answered. And those are all opportunities for research. And so in my career, I've picked and chosen topics that were most interesting to me and that I felt I could help answer and address my research towards those questions. Uh, And I think it's kept it fresh for me. And I think I wanted to echo though, with uh, Jerry's point, it's not a linear process. I mean, it's anything but a linear process. And sometimes the projects that seem to be, you know, Least inspiring end up being the most linear and quickest to complete, and the ones that are, you know, you're most proud of just get hung up in review process and data analysis and everything else. And I don't want to talk Tom, about. Tom, you it. and I have a project very similar to that 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 we can talk about later. <laughs> um, you don't want to talk about, yeah, yeah. This is going to turn into a therapy session rather than a uh, podcast. But uh, I think it, you know, even those those moments. learning moments, and it doesn't make it any less valid. And maybe the victory is even sweeter when you finally push that thing through. Um, You know, Jerry's story was very poignant because, you know, Jerry is world-class. And for him not to get a grant uh, there, you know, points to several things, but one of which is just how competitive these grant um, applications are, and two, how random it is, the whole process. And so, I found it really inspiring to hear that Jerry took that and made, made it his own and came out with a degree that's actually helped change his career. And I think acknowledging that our careers are this, this um, it's like a moving target as we go. And you really can't predict where you're going to be in five years based on life experiences and interactions and, and and new ideas that you get exposed to. And one of the best things about the Mohs College in our meeting is that you go there, you just get exposed to new ideas. And I come up away from every meeting thinking about things I never thought of before, and um, so for for the again for that I'm very grateful. And I you know I come away from each meeting thinking, good lord, I got a lot lot more work to do, you know, and that's future ideas for research.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and I think um, while while I hadn't thought of it before, if we fast forward a year or two, I imagine the. Um, the, the research arm, which um, individuals can directly apply for, for research funding, um, that's, that's already open. Jerry, is that right? Correct me here if I'm wrong.
2: Correct. Yep, yeah, that's right. Applications are open. The full application deadline is January 15th, 2020. So people who are interested in potentially uh, being um, competitive for a grant, um, that's the deadline you want to shoot for,
0: and I guess I'll just be clairvoyant. Like there, there will be a lot of applications um, because we have some really excellent people. But this will be a great funding opportunity. Oh,
2: Thomas, I was just going to echo. I think um, Nat had some excellent, wise points there, and and one of the things that I kind of gleaned out of that, if I were to extrapolate a little bit, is that life is just too short, and you know, you should you should choose a research project that excites you and that invigorates you. And I think, I think in general, um, uh, we, we tend to be people pleasers. I think a lot of us that go into medicine and maybe it's a little bit tough for us to, to master the concept of saying no, you know, we're yes men and yes, women, and it's okay to say no. And it's okay to, mm-hmm. to like, to like guard your time and focus your research. Even if you're early on in your career and you want to just prove that you can do things, it's still okay at that phase, to choose wisely where you focus your time and effort. Because one successful re- research project begets mm-hmm. another and begets another. And you have to be really careful because if you do research that doesn't excite you, before you know it, you're going to be enveloped in a ton of efforts that does not excite you. And that's not where we want to be.
0: I, I I really appreciate your, your segue. So we are recording this podcast at 5.30 p.m. on a on a Friday night, <laughs> uh, Eastern Standard Time. So mm-hmm. um, I, I want to learn about right. time management techniques in the last few minutes of our podcast. Any sort of simple things, Jerry, you mentioned learning to comfortably say no being something that's really helped you. Do you have anything else that you'd want to <laughs> add there?
2: You know... Um... One of the people that I love is Amy McDonald. She's a psychologist in Chicago that does this fantastic talk about um, work life. She doesn't call it balance because she says there's no such thing as balance. She's, she says like work life thriving. But I, I think, and I, I really kind of appreciate her take on things. Um, every once in a while, I kind of do an inventory and I kind of decide, you know, where am I spending my time? Because where you spend your time, is where your heart is if you will and every once in a while i've had to do a a kind of a assessment of my life and get rid of a few things that are just taking too much of my time that's not not worth it and it's okay it's it's actually kind of healthy if you will to kind of do a little spring cleaning of your life and where your time goes and um, try to make things different and spend time where you want it and before you know i think it's easy for us to kind of get into a a routine, if you will, and you you wake up and you do the same thing and you go, you come home and you go to bed and, and before you know it, um, five or 10 years go by and that routine has been added to this or that, and you just get used to doing it. But if you don't consider on a regular basis, what you need to get rid of in your life in order to have time to spend in other areas that you're maybe lacking to have a balance, then you're going to really sometimes miss out on the most important things in life.
0: Matt, I I turn it over to you. How
1: how do I manage my time better? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I think you manage your time great, but I think uh, you know Jerry hit on something that reminded me of one thing that Mary Maloney said to me during my fellowship, and she said that every five years you should step back and take a look at what you're doing. I think you know she was talking maybe generally, but I took it as specifically professionally because I think Jerry's right. You can get on a, um, just on a pattern of doing things a certain way and life is short and all of a sudden 20 years have passed and maybe that's not the direction you want it to be going. And having a point where, uh, one sits back, looks at where you're at and where you're going and consciously decides whether to keep going rather than just, um, in a patterned way, keep going. Or to remove this, add this, change direction. (laughs) It, It was very wise advice for me and I've tried to take that personally. I think in terms of time management, for me, I think I, like most of us, feel like if we had a couple more hours each day, life would be easier, but we don't. So, I tend to savor the early mornings and the quiet times when I get them. It's the, for me, the time when I can actually get through the list that i made that's sort of another thing for me is making lists but having a list and then getting up early enough and motivating early enough to have a few hours before the daily grind starts that's just if i didn't have that i don't think i'd get anything done because once the workday starts the demands are so great uh, professionally interpersonally family-wise that um it's hard to get to underlying tasks. And Jerry said nights and weekends. I mean, I think if if one is trying to do significant amount of contribution outside of your, you know, regular work responsibilities, it, it, it does impinge on those precious hours of nights and weekends. And for me, the escape is I just get up earlier, I get a little less sleep, and I try to get it done in the morning.
2: And Thomas, if I can, can I add a little bit to that? Sure, sure, please. That, so that's fantastic advice. And there's a book called What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast that I, I would recommend. It's, it's just a fantastic read that really highlights what Nat just said. And um, this, is, this is another um, bit of success information from Amy McDonald's talk. She says if she's really going to boil down time management and balance and success in life, it comes down to three things. Number one is Exercise. Which I'm a big I'm a big advocate, and I and, and you know I, I I get some people for whatever situation it's hard, but do the best you can. And if you can exercise, I just find that the mind and body just works better throughout the rest of the day. Number two is get enough sleep, and the number three um, um, recommendation is to be present. And if you can do those three things, then you're going to be successful.
0: And we could probably have an entire <laughs> podcast. On what it means to be present and the everyday distractions of, of of smartphones and and urgent but not important interruptions and things like that. And I find for myself, I I think my best research ideas occur in the middle of of exercising, which may sound <laughs> sad, but it's really done me well to 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 have pen and paper ready in in, in case something. Crosses my mind <laughs> as a fleeting thought. I I want to respect uh, both of your your times. Um, anything else as it relates to research mentorship? We've really covered a, a broad gamut here. Uh, certainly with regards to your respective roles in the uh, ACMs Foundation, uh, both in the research grant review committee and in the uh, most development awards review committee. That you want to share with our listeners before we conclude? I
2: would just say that. Uh, it's been really an honor and a pleasure for me to be part of such a fantastic organization like the Moe's College. And um, I would just end with a quote that the only person that you're destined to be is the person you decide to be. And I think that that quote, um, I can't remember exactly who said that. I think it was one of the presidents of the United States. But I would just leave that parting thought that, you know, we have, we have the power to be who we want to be. And you get up every morning. And you make the circumstances that you want to have and and you just do it. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, I, that that's great. I, I don't think I can then top top that one. I think um, that that's terrific. I think just this foundation to bring it back to the beginning is really a unique and new and exciting um, endeavor of the most college because it's our chance to invest in our future beyond, the traditional dues that we pay. And I think it's a really exciting time, and I think it's going to evolve over the over the next few years. And we're going to see some serious projects come out of this and things that may change the direction of the Mohs College. So I think it's exciting times. Well, um,
0: Jerry and Nat, I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to chat thank with me Thomas. today. That's you, Thomas. I want to thank our listeners for their attention. To all of our listeners, please share this podcast. And in this case, to to both of our guests, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Um, We're always looking for feedback uh, as this podcast has now been going on for a year and we want to continue to uh, improve it. If you have guests, we've had a couple of suggestions and nominations that we'll be scheduling for podcast interviews in the coming months. Um, From a housekeeping standpoint, uh, please keep in mind that ACMS Abstract submission deadline is January 6th of 2020. And if you have any other questions about the foundation, um, certainly you can visit uh, the forward slash foundation uh, and, and find most of that answered there. Uh, I thank you all and I hope you'll join me next time on Conversations in Mose Surgery.